You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. like 20 times today. Praise the Lord. Before we go into God's word, Pastor Chisum is around. And her husband, Pastor Kenneth, is around. And that's very nice. Lovely to have you guys here. Praise the Lord. You know the kind of month we're about to have? Many people came or tuned in for midweek service. Do you know the kind of month we're about to have? <laughs> Listen, God is very deliberate. Oh, you guys can go and sit down now. Let it be that I punished you. Pastor Dan, stay with me. Please. God is very deliberate and He knows what He's doing. Can you turn that down a little? And he knows what he's doing. And so it's not a joke that in the month, you know, across the body of Christ, there is a growing emphasis on the flow of the spirit, on the supernatural, on prayer, on miracles. So when God says, I want to do this this month, come up and say, you know, some people think this is how pastors prepare sermons for Sunday service. I probably woke up yesterday and I was like, wait, what's today? So I turned to my wife, babe, what's today? She's like, oh, Saturday. I'm like, ah, Saturday is tomorrow is Sunday. So yes, what can I teach the church now that would be nice? You know, that's not how we teach. We actually have a curriculum. You know what that means? It means that by the end of the year, we have a place we expect you to have gotten to in your walk with God. You know, based on prayers, based on teaching, based on all the activities we've put together. Hallelujah. And so, we've had a teaching on the Holy Ghost. And we taught on the Holy Ghost, you know, theologically now. So, let's speak about the theology behind the person of the Spirit. Now that we've covered that, let's talk about the works of the Spirit. And so that's what we're doing this month. And so this teaching series is for two categories of people. The first category of people is those who need a healing in their bodies or in their lives. But the second category of people is those who seek to walk miracles more frequently. Do you understand? And every one of us ought to belong to the second category. You may not need a healing in your body, but you must seek to heal the sick. 
You have to. You have to. The Bible says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall what's number one? Cast out devils. Number two, speak with new tongues. What's number three? They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. He says, These signs shall follow them that believe. Well, do you believe? It means that in your life, one of the signs of your faith in Jesus Christ is the ability to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Did you hear me? Good. So this teaching series is for everyone. And I want to start today with a preamble. So just a simple preamble. Next week we'll dive right into the teaching you know, in depth. But today, I want to establish two or three things. The first is this. God wants to be known as a miracle-working God. Start there. God wants to be known as a miracle-working God. And so... Um, I don't know if it was, I think it was Bethel that read that portion of scripture when she was leading prayers. Hebrews chapter 2, I think that's verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2, let's start reading from verse 1. From verse 1, please. Have we given up? Okay. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep, verse 2. But if the word spoken by angels, so just to know those of you that follow Teacherthon, when he says the word spoken by angels, what's he referring to? Specifically, the Ten Commandments, all right? For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape, verse 3, if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, verse 4. He says, God himself also, bearing them witness, both with what? Come on now, are you cold this morning? Both with what? Oh yeah, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Stand up, stand up. Let's do it. I'll give you one more opportunity. Both with what? Also, you can shout like this. All right, sit down. It says, God also bearing them with witness, both with signs and wonders. God wants to be identified through his work. Do you understand? The primary work of God is the gospel, salvation. But how God validates the gospel, how God proves that the gospel is true, is signs and wonders. Did you hear that? Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Let me tell you how much this, this thing I'm saying is scattered through scriptures. These two scriptures I've quoted now are not in my notes. All right. And I have like four in my notes to quote for you. Acts 2.22, it says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man what? Do you want to stand up? A man what? All right, let's go. A man approved of God amongst you by what? 
So, what Peter, because it was Peter that said this, what Peter was saying here is, even if you didn't believe all the things Jesus said, you saw him walk miracles. And the miracles, the signs, and the wonders were a seal of God's approval on Jesus' ministry. Are you following this? And Jesus himself, himself said so. Sometime Jesus was talking with his disciples. They were in Chicken Republic. Jesus just finished eating lunch. And then they were talking. And then Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to the Father. And then Philip. No, it wasn't Philip. It was Philip. It was Philip. Philip said, show us the Father. And it sufficed us. And Jesus was taken aback. He was offended. Because Jesus said, have I been with you for so long that you haven't seen the Father? He that has seen the Father has seen me, has seen the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He says, but even if you don't believe me for the words that I speak, he said, believe for the work's sake. God wants to be identified with the miracles that he works. You understand this? He's a miracle-working God. We lose a significant part of God's personality when we close our eyes to the miraculous. We do. And the devil knows this. We lose a significant part of God's personality, of the identity of God, when we close our eyes to the miraculous. When we, when we are indifferent about the miraculous. In fact, something you must learn is this. Almost every attribute of God that you find taught through scriptures finds a way to express itself in the supernatural. Do you understand that? Almost, in fact, when you, when you are learning about God in scripture and his attributes, you learn them by observing the supernatural acts. The way he dealt with the children of Israel. Do you understand? So you learn that God is just when you see him pass judgment or some things happen. Like when the sons of Korah were speaking up against Moses and the ground opened up and swallowed them, you see God's justice. Do you understand? Yeah, you know he's just, but that was a supernatural act. And so, underlying all the attributes of God we will ever learn, God is love, God is kind, God is whatever, underlying all of that is one thing. God is omnipotent. You understand? He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. That means he can do all things within a context because there are things God cannot do. Alright, the Bible clearly says God cannot lie. And not because when he wants to lie, he will now be like, oh, God will not be happy with me. No, God cannot lie because if God says something we perceive to be a lie, it will no longer be a lie. It will never have been a lie. I've explained that to you before. So if this is black and God calls it white and then we look at it, we will never have any memory of it being black. It will always have been white. He can't lie. He's God. Very nice to have attributes like that. 
person now says, I'm rich. Let's see the devil stop that. I'm just joking. But, but so there are things God cannot do. So the, when we say God is omnipotent, um, there's a context to it, all right? And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. And he's omniscient. He knows all things. Or omniscience. Some of you, some of you learned. He knows all things. Underlying all his attributes are those three major attributes. God wants to be known as a miracle-working God. Look at how God introduced himself to Moses. You know there are less subtle ways he could have introduced himself to Moses. Less subtle ways. A very calm voice in the wind. Just, just it's, like, I heard my name. Say, it's me, God. Just don't freak out. It's me. No. He attracted Moses to a burning bush that was not consumed and then thundered. <laughs> he wants to be known as a miracle worker. Did you see God's challenge to Job? When Job was upset with God and he was, he, was, he was just angry, he was telling God that God has not been fair to him. And then God is like, you? Who are you? And so you now read God's challenge to Job. He's asking him, can you command the morning? Can, can you make the sun rise every day? Can you thunder with a voice like this? You know, that's, the Bible actually says that. God wants to be known to be a miraculous person, to be above and beyond. And the devil knows this. And so the devil does something. And it is this. The devil attempts to desensitize us to the miraculous. The devil attempts to desensitize us to the miraculous. And many of us don't even realize it. There is this lie the devil has sold us. Especially in this generation. And the lie is, if you are forward thinking, you will not believe in the miraculous. If you, if you are open-minded, you will not believe in the miraculous. He tries his best to, or let me put it in another way. We must learn church history because if we don't learn church history, we are doomed to repeat the mistakes of church fathers. And so sometime around 19, the 19, early 1900s, late 1800s, something started that was called the holiness movement. All right. The holiness movement. It was there in 1904. You had the Welsh, um, the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts. And then I think 1906, you had the Azusa Street Revival with, um, it, was, it was propagated majorly by, I think, Charles Parham, but then William J. Seymour was the face of the revival. And, and so you had a holiness movement. Their message was basically holiness, you know. And then it rode the 1900s till about 1960, 1970. And then um, the holiness movement was basically Keep yourself pure so that you can be with God, so that you can end up in heaven. So the, the general teaching on purity that we have in the body of Christ today is, that, is fairly recent. I mean, if, if Christianity has existed for 2,000 plus years 
and this teaching started about 120 years ago. It's recent, right? Uh -huh. So um, keep yourself pure um, so that you don't steal your this one. If you steal your if you steal, if you steal your brother's biro, it's a sin. God will punish you. The holiness movement, right? And if you steal your brother's biro, you are going to hell. If you palm your hair, you are going to hell. And the thing is, um, people always took it a step further from where they heard it. So probably the first person that preached it, preached it the way it was preached in the Bible, was somebody that didn't like how um, people wear Vivon came out and said, Vivon is from the devil. If you wear it, you are going to hell. You know, so there was a whole holiness movement that spiraled into this thing that was very dangerous. And it happens like that because the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. All right. Which means that um, without knowing it, sometimes the man of God allows his own nuances into his own message. And so it becomes dangerous when there is no check or balance in place to, you know, scrutinize the teachings that we've heard. That's the reason why here we present the Bible for you to see, you understand, and understand. So that if I say something, you would be able to say, ah, Pastor, but I read this verse of scripture properly explained. You get that? So we, we had the holiness movement and then it evolved into something called the prosperity gospel and this was the basic ideology behind it. So we had people teaching the holiness movement as a way to get close to God but then some people started to ask, is it only for heaven? Are we supposed to suffer in this world? Is there nothing for us here? And so a young man by the name of Oral Roberts um, alongside some other teachers started to teach um, seed faith. Did you get so um, sow a seed and you'll be blessed. You've heard that before now. So they started to teach that. So that was like 30 years ago, by the way, or 40 years ago. It's very recent. Do you understand? It's very recent. And I'm saying this to you so that you will know that when we try to correct some of those excesses, we're not introducing something new. We are resetting to factory setting. Do you understand? We're, we're deleting 30 years ago and we're trying to get it back to what it used to be. So he introduced the seed faith and then the charismatic movement, all of it just came together um, and then we have this whole Pentecostal charismatic movement going on. And a lot of people have abused Pentecostalism, abused the flow of the spirit. Boy, I've seen things. I've seen people ask people to drink kerosene in the name of the flow of the spirit. I've seen people, yeah, I've seen people walk on top of people because the spirit of God is moving me. You know, things like that. And then the devil does this interesting thing where he, have you noticed that in the body of Christ and in the world at large, good things don't, are not promoted as much as they ought to be. So let me tell you, how many of you are on social media? Raise your hand. Do you use social media frequently? Raise your hand. This is a very good example. Put your hand down. How many of you knew that Dunsi had an accident yesterday? Raise your hand. And he was he escaped unhurt. Raise your hand. All right, put your hand down. How many of you knew? Um, I'm thinking of one negative. I, I, I don't pay attention to things like that, so I don't have any example. But there are more people, if a pastor does something today, and it, it will trend more than Dunsin's deliverance from, I saw the car. I, I, honestly, I believe in God and I believe in miracles, but that one shocked me. Like, it was a full SUV, a Land Cruiser, I think, or a Prado, very big car, right? When you see it, it's, it's, 
nothing. It was flattened, gone. And they all survived. That's something to thank God for. But the devil will sweep that one under the carpet. Then when a pastor, like, like there was one clip that went popular during the lockdown, that the pastor said, if you want to fall, direct yourself. You see this camera? It's one million. If you break it, you will buy it. Raise your hand if you ever, if you ever saw that clip. Almost everyone saw that clip. Now, that pastor may have raised the dead in his ministry, and you don't know anything about it. Is that correct? You don't know anything about it. That pastor may have opened blind eyes in his ministry. You don't know anything about it. But the one time, and honestly, things are expensive. Can we be real? Things are very expensive. Extremely expensive. Especially things that we use in church. I don't understand why they are expensive. It's like the manufacturers, once they just wear them, they say, ah, this is for church. We'll add money. It's expensive. So the man gets upset. Don't break this one. It goes viral. And so there is a general mindset that anybody who is working a miracle is scamming you. I remember a couple of months ago, about three months ago, two months ago, after the miracle, during the miracle service, I had a word of knowledge for a person who was applying for a visa. Um, the lady came out. We prayed with her. Um, and the visa that had been pending for about six months supernaturally was granted her. We thanked God. And we just shared that clip online. That, because she messaged me. Oh, my sister just got... Like, she, like we prayed with her on Sunday. I think the sister got the visa like on Tuesday. It was such a miracle, right? So we, we were like, oh, praise God. This is great. We're happy. And we shared it. And the amount of comments I saw, I'm like, who damaged you guys? Like, why are you so... Like, some people were like, we know this scope. This scope has passed. What you don't realize is, such people have desensitized themselves to God as a miracle worker. And it's everywhere. I can go on with examples. Popular Nollywood scene. Um, a family has been suffering bondage for years. People are falling sick and dying. So they call a pastor to pray for the family. Now, the pastor arrives there in a motor vehicle. Like every other normal human being should arrive at the location. Is that correct? He gets down, he enters, they begin liberation prayers. That's what they are usually called. And then... In the middle of the prayer, the native doctor that is responsible for the problems in the family, he's not going to use vehicle to come. It's not like he was in his shrine. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Ah, no, please, do you have taxi fire on your phone? Order taxi. I will send you the address. That's not what's going to happen. He would disappear from his shrine and appear at the location of the fights, ready to fight. And it always plays out that the pastor will do everything in his power to defeat this guy. But the native doctor will be laughing at him. <laughs> then at the very last moment, the pastor will not remember that there's the name of Jesus. Right? He will not gather his chakra and release one final blow. And the native Me. Me. We are not ready. <laughs> but it's true. 
And so, let me tell you something else. If service started and it was time for me to preach and I didn't walk in from the back, I just appeared here. Many of you will run away. <laughs> Is it true or not? Now, here's another funny thing. You will run away because you don't expect it to happen. But if someone else appears here, it can never, it can't even be here, but appears here wearing cowries with red cloth, no shirts, because they, they, they don't have shirts. <laughs> so cowries, no shirts with chalk on their face. It checks out. I mean, if you did not appear, how can we know that you have power? And so subconsciously, a lot of people think the devil is more powerful than God is. It's true. It's true. So, they will threaten you. Don't go there. One, one woman has cursed the family. And then you, child of God, with the Holy Ghost inside of you, say, ah, no. Prevention is better than cure. So the second thing I want to awaken your mind up to, number one, God wants to be known as a God of miracles. But number two, God wants you to know that he's above all. Do you understand? He's above all. Listen, when it comes to God, anything good is possible. Did you hear what I said? As long as it is his will, anything good is possible. So not only is he a God of miracles, he's above all. He's, I, don't let the devil desensitize you to the reality of the supernatural. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't let it happen. Some people will say, I'm just being realistic. You are not. Who's reality? Who's reality? So, before we begin um, praying for the sick, let's start here. Your sickness is small before God. Oh, Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, if you pay attention to what I'm saying, many people, um, during the teacher's on, I explained something to you, that one major thing about faith is not, when the Bible talks about doubt as the opposite of faith, it's not that you do not believe. No. That's not what it is. The issue is, some people believe, but have alternatives. Is that correct? So, if this does not work, I will try here. And so, we don't approach God with that wholeness of heart, that oneness of mind. And this is what the Bible says. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that person think he will receive anything of God. 
Do you hear me? So, I know you think you are trusting God for that thing. And next, next week, I'm going to start talking about faith for healing. We'll talk about it expressly. Oh, we're going to have a lovely time. But here's something I want you to learn now and learn it well. If God is not God of all, he's not God of any. God cannot be God of some in your life. Do you get what I'm saying? It, there must be this absolute dependence on God. There, it, it, there's no other way. And for that absolute dependence to exist, there has to be a sensitization to the power of God. I think one thing that deceives a lot of people is the simplicity of God's power. How simple it is. Because of how simple it is, a lot of people get carried away. They forget it. So, the last time you were ill, someone prayed for you and the sickness just disappeared like that. You know, it just happens like that. God heals without drama. Just once in a while, he just does drama to remind you that he's still God. But it just goes. Just. I read a testimony online. Was it two days ago? It blew my mind. I think she had an accident. Something was wrong with her spine. And the doctor said, this person is not going to walk again. She was there. She overheard them say it. She prayed to God to allow her walk again. She heard a crack in her body, slept off, woke up and stood up and went to the toilet. Ah! Listen here. I've heard healing testimonies that make my mouth drop. And when I hear them, Many times, what gets me is the simplicity of the, of the miracle. One time I heard a testimony, someone shared, there was a man who was, I think he was deaf and he was dumb, so couldn't speak, couldn't hear. And then he was brought before um, Pastor E.E. Adeboye for prayers. And Pastor E.E. Adeboye said, okay, um, in his very, very simple, humble, it's a very calm manner, looks to the man and says, shall we pray in Jesus' name? And the man said, Amen. Someone who he couldn't hear, he couldn't speak. And that so what's the rest of the prayer? Father, we thank you because <laughs> you walked miracles. And as I'm saying this, I want you to know that with this level of ease where you are, God can be fixing situations. I laid hands on someone, I think it was two years ago. I laid hands on this lady. She had this excruciating pain in her leg. So I called her out by word of knowledge and laid hands on her. Now, while I was praying for her, she didn't know what was going on. So she just came out thinking, I, I, I'm the one that they, has the leg pain. Right? So I laid hands on her, finished praying for her. Then I said, how do you feel? And she was like, so I said, do what you couldn't do before. And so she started hopping. And then she started shouting, where's my pain? It happens like that. It will just go. Sometimes you won't even realize that God has done it. Until you just 
you catch yourself doing something that was hard before you're like, uh -uh, wait till. so I want I want I want to open up your mind to the possibilities of the spirit do you hear what I'm saying <laughs> The third thing, I told you there are three things I want to teach you. The first one is that God wants to be known as a God of miracles. The second one is God wants you to place him above all. And the third one and the most important one is learn to camp around the goodness of God. the children of Israel who every day they woke up and when they woke up they were not worried about what to eat because they expected manna to fall from the sky like do you know what that means that there was a generation of Israelites that were born and grew up in a system that it was normal to fetch your food from the sky so Imagine these people interacting with others and then they wake up on a regular Tuesday morning and then they go outside to go and catch food. And the people that they are living with, where are you going to? So I'm going to bring food. From where? We didn't cook. Say, oh no, what, what do you mean by cook? What's cook? I want, I want you to think about that. And think about how God expects your life to be that way. Listen. Your life can be supernatural every day. It can be. It can be. But you must camp around the goodness of God. You've seen the provisions of God. Stay there. The problem is many of us are we're too greedy. So, in your life, steadily, and this is the thing, if you look, if you search your life, you will see the goodness of God. Steadily, for the last few years, God has been doing the same thing in your life repeatedly, repeatedly. But you don't think it's enough. You think other people have it better than you. Comparison is the thief of joy. Paul calls it foolishness. Because imagine if the children of Israel, they went out, they saw manna, they now carry the manna every day. Manna, every day. Why are we eating this thing? Why are the Jebusites? They are eating correct shawarma. Father, please rain down shawarma from heaven. And then God is like, shawarma is not on the menu for your feeding. I'm sending you manna, eat it. Say, no, I want shawarma. God is not kind. Why didn't he give me shawarma? But that's how a lot of us sound. That's exactly how a lot of us sound. God, I know that you helped me through school, but I was, I was thinking that um, immediately after school, I would, get a, I would get a scholarship to Harvard. And then God is like, no, I don't want you in Harvard. I want you in Unilag. I want you to go and do your master's in Unilag. And like, no, 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 God. God, this other friend of mine got a scholarship to Yale. I was thinking that I would even top it and get one to Harvard. I want Harvard. 
And so instead of you to build a camp around the goodness of God, you start creating your own settlement somewhere else. Listen, let me teach you something as far as miracles go. The miraculous will be natural to someone who has found satisfaction in God. Do you hear what I'm saying? The one who has found satisfaction in God will always seek to be at the center of God's will for the person's life. And it is at the center of God's will that you will find God's resources and therefore God's power displayed. Is that easy to understand? Is that easy to understand? Let me say it in another way. God is self-centered and he's the only one that is permitted to be. Do you hear me? He is the only one permitted to be. Who else will he be about? You? You are too small. The good thing about God's self-centeredness is that his plan is about you. So in the end, his self-centeredness benefits you. But what this means is that God's resources will go in the direction of God's plan. This is the secret of divine favor. Hello, are you listening to me? This is the secret of divine favor. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And don't seek it because of the favor. Seek it first. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a simple thing. God provides for his laborers. When Jesus sent out his 12, he said, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? They said, no. Now, do you know what is funny? If they had stayed back, if some of them stayed back with him, they may have lacked something. Because in that moment, the plan was to send them out, not to stay with him where he was. Are you following this? Many of us think that the way God does divine favor is just cashing, just do one or two good things and cash in your goodwill. Say, God, how far? Um, so I know it's not much, but you should be able to buy me like three units of favor. And with three units of favor, I should be able to get this girl that I like. So um, let's go. That's not the way God works. Listen, another thing you need to learn. Many of the people who God provided for in the Bible did not pray for provision. I didn't say all, I said many. This is what Jesus was trying to teach the Jews in Matthew chapter 6. He says, take no thought what you will eat or drink. Where you will lay your head. He says, your father knows that you have need of them. Take note of that statement. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your father knows that you have need of them. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not walk or they do not toil. Yes, your father in all his glory provides for them. Look at the lilies of the field. They, they don't work or do anything. But yet Solomon in all his glory is not as closed as they are. He says, therefore, take no thoughts. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. So Jesus is teaching us something important here. And this is it. Take your attention off what you think you need. Focus your attention on what God wants. And I'm not telling you that what you think you need will be done. But you will find true satisfaction. Do you know why? Because some of the things you think you need, you don't need. Is 
true maturity begins when you realize that not every craving is good for you. Is that true? Is that true? Uh huh. When you begin to learn that not every craving is good for me, not every you know, there's a, there are some times when your body will tell you, "Give me shawarma or I'm die." If I don't eat this thing, I'm gonna die. So find where this thing will come from and we'll eat it now. Is that right? Raise your hand if this thing never happens to you. You just finish eating. You know that you are not hungry. You just finished. Two hours later, your entire body is telling you that you are hungry. You check your stomach. I'm not hungry. But your brain cannot rest because your brain is telling you go and eat something. You are hungry. Maturity <laughs> is knowing that if I pay attention to every desire of my, I will, I will ruin my life. Is that true? Spiritual maturity begins when you realize that not every one of your desire is valid. You may think you need it, but you don't. And the job of parenthood is to collect from the child that thing that the child thinks he needs but is dangerous to him. Praise the Lord. You see, this is why the general teaching of faith does not work. Because some of the things you have faith for, you shouldn't have faith for. And you won't know. How are you to know? In the moment you believe this is, this is all I need. I was talking to one of my friends. He his girlfriend left him dramatically. You know when they leave you dramatically? You know there's gentle living that they just call you. Both of you will talk. The relationship will end amicably. You will go. Then there's living that will just you will just You just wake up in the middle of the night and sit up. What did I do wrong? <laughs> you know. So my guy would call me in the middle of the night. And start telling me what happened. But I, I did everything right. And every time he called me, because when you are the one that just chopped the breakfast, you may not realize how good it was that the breakfast was served. Until later, when your emotions have settled and you are now thinking straight, you're not like, ah, thank God. Oh. <laughs> Raise your hand if somebody broke up with you and then years later or months later, you are ah, thank God. Oh. <laughs> Raise your hand above your head. I'm happy for you. Right? So, I would tell him, my brother, see, I know you can't see it right now, but this girl leaving you is a great thing. My guy would say, brother, we need to pray. That the Lord will touch her heart. I'm, like, I'm not praying with you. I'm, I need to pray bad prayers for my friends. Months later, he found someone else, and this person was everything. I mean, have you, like, this person was a breath of fresh air. You know, just like my wife. Clap if you enter your eye, clap anyway. That's what I was saying. So, this person was great, and he, and he started saying, Thank God this person did not come back to my class. So, many of your desires are like that. You can swear this is what I need in the moment, and God is like, it, It's not. 
So what do you do in moments like that? Camp around God's goodness. What does this mean? It means you, you say, I know God has been good to me and God will not withhold any good thing from me. And so if this is being withheld from me, it is not a good thing. Like we must have that mindset. We mustn't judge God by the things he doesn't provide. We must judge the things, that, the things that we want by the things he doesn't provide. Do you understand? We mustn't say God didn't provide it so he's not good. We must say God didn't provide it so it is not good. Do you understand? That's the way we must think. If we thought that way, we'll have peace. And you will find true satisfaction. But many people will run off. And the devil loves it when we do it. And we run off. And do you know what is funny? Many times when you are praying those prayers, you have the inward witness that you shouldn't pray. As you are praying, the Lord is telling you, no, cut it off. And you bind that spirit of doubt. <laughs> so, I'm starting like this because this month is the month of the miraculous. On Sundays, we are doing healing school. On Thursdays, we are doing spiritual gifts. And so, this is sort of like a general introduction to the month. The miraculous. How the miraculous works. Healing will always be the will of God. We see that from scripture. So what I'm saying doesn't apply to healing. I mean for your bodies. It doesn't apply to, oh, I, I'm sick and I need to pray. God, should I pray or should I not? If you like, don't pray. Right? It doesn't apply. But I'm talking about other things in your life. All the other things. Oh, God. God has suffered in our hands, Thank God, God is not a man. Because some people will just say, I'm tired, just reset, reset. Let's start again, let's go again, let's start again. So you learn to camp around God's goodness. There's someone in the room, um, actually, two people, there's someone you've had this pain in your left eye um, for a while the Lord says is healing that pain in the name of Jesus and then there's someone else it's not a sore throat as in but your throat is sore it's not ordinary sore throat you've been, you've been having this pain in your throat and it's almost like you can taste blood in your throat and you've been trying to fix it but you, you're really scared um, in the name of Jesus you are healed now in the name of Jesus Lord brings total and complete healing to you in the name of Jesus. Camp around God's goodness. Three things. Number one, God wants you to know that he's a miracle-working God. Number two, God wants you to know that he's above all. And then number three, what? Camp around his goodness. Do not normalize the works of the devil in your life. Did you hear what I'm saying? It is not just malaria. It is the work of the devil. Did you hear me? Don't normalize it. You know, there's a way, there's a way we normalize nonsense. And this generation, we have a fancy term for everything. 
have a fancy term for everything. And we, we embrace everything too quick. I don't think there's any generation in the history of generations that the devil loves more than this one. Because we embrace everything all too quick. Have a fancy term for every like the devil. Sometimes when we name what the devil has done, it's like, my that was creative. I didn't think ah. so. The devil has plagued your life for a while now with worry. You worry excessively about everything. And then you now went online and they told you you're an overthinker. You say, Yes, that's what I am. I'm an overthinker. I'll be overthinking, you know. And no, I'm, I'm not sorry. Change it. It's something that you should take to the place of prayer and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift my mind to you. I decree and declare worry ceases in my life. I walk in peace all the days of my life. Make declarations. Command the devil to stop. Mm-mm. Say, I'm an overthinker. You put it on your bio. Overthinker. I can think for Africa. Sister in Christ, brother in Christ, you are not an overthinker. Did you hear what I said? That's not who you are. Don't call yourself what God hasn't called you. At least try and make it a habit to not call yourself what God hasn't called you. Don't normalize the works of the devil. Don't. Let me tell you something. Since the fall of man, there are two general reasons why people get sick. Two, since the fall of man. Number one, the fall of man. Number two, the devil. Those are the two reasons. I'm telling you the truth. Those are the two reasons. If anybody is sick, it's one of two things. It's either he's sick because we live in a fallen world with fallen entities and all of that. The system is corrupt and that corruption has found its way into your body. Or number two, the devil is plaguing your life. There's nothing like normal sickness. So so why didn't you come to church? He said, I just had slight malaria. But it it was just malaria. I know that you are saying it so that we are not worried. But I'm worried about even a greater thing. I'm not worried about the malaria you had. I'm worried about the fact that you have normalized the work of the devil. Learn something today. We live in a spiritual world. Not everything is physical. I remember when I was in secondary school, I'd already begun ministry in secondary school in my final yeah, in the secondary school. So, and then, because I grew up, as I shared this on Thursday, I grew up majorly in what is known as a deliverance ministry. Do you know what a deliverance ministry is? Raise your hand if you've ever attended one. Okay. For those of you that haven't, let me give you a picture of what it looks like. They usually have Sunday services just for the, so that they will say they are a church. Their real services are in the night. Friday night. It usually starts around 10, 11. So you start with just normal praise and worship. It, start, it starts normally. Normal. Around 12, you just go from 0 to 100. It just like that. Then it goes into clapping, vehement shouting. You know? So I, I, I was Anglican. I was raised Anglican. 
but our side hustle was that we were going to deliverance church. It wasn't a side hustle. I don't have any other term for it. But by the side, we went to a deliverance church Friday nights. And so most of my exposure to ministry at the time was deliverance ministry. So I thought I was a deliverance minister. But even in school, if you would laugh. <laughs> and so I remember this one day I was in the hostel. I was lying down on my bed. And um, I had already done a couple. I was doing ministry already. So people knew me for this. So I was lying down on my bed. And then they came to call me that there was a boy who was, for lack of a better term, manifesting. Do you know what it means to manifest? Seller. So there was a boy who was manifesting. I was in greenhouse. There was a boy who was manifesting in red house. So I, I got down and I ran to red house. And I prayed for him. And he was calm. And, you know, the, the thing ended. Then the warden ran into the common room where we were praying. And he looked at us. What are you people doing here? And so people started trying to explain to him that, oh, this guy started manifesting. We went to call Oge. Oge came prayed for him. He's better now. And they said, how dare you have carry him to the clinic? So that what will happen? Another case that I just remembered. There was a young man. I was in the university at this time. He, he was oppressed by devil. And I was just coming back from cafeteria too. I was heading to Joseph Hall. And then some of you don't know all these things I'm calling, but I'm just saying it for context. And then I was, I was about to enter the hall, I was with my friend, Wachiku. And then this guy saw me and said, thank God. Um, okay, there's someone who is being oppressed by the devil. Can you call, can you call? And I went to the room and I saw people there. And I, I, I sent everybody outside because some people don't know how to handle cases like that. So it's in that moment, some people start singing praise and worship. You know? Start singing worship songs. So I sent everyone outside. Please wait outside. And I called a few people that are my friends. I know you have some type of knowledge with matters like this. So we went inside and we started praying for him. And then we had prayed for him a bit. And so he had calmed down. And then the housemaster, I would say housemaster, the potter, the potter in the hostel came upstairs because he heard prayers. And this was, you know, way beyond, you know, um, the end of the night, the curfew. So he came upstairs. Why are we shouting? And then he saw this young man. What's going on here? So some people explained to him. What was I said, carry him to the health center. So they gathered him. And I went with them because I knew health center won't help this guy. So they carried the guy and they took him to the health center. Right? And then the guy, so what would happen is when we stopped, when they interrupted our prayers, suddenly he would get up and want to run. So they will have to hold him down and put him in one place. So when we got to the health center, say, yes, who are you? Say, we are, we are, we've been praying. He said, stay outside. It's okay. Sorry, sir. So they stayed outside. We, but it wasn't like outside the building. It was just outside the door. Right? So when they looked at him, he would get up. He would want to run the, the nurses. So the doctor came and said, okay, sedate him. Like, just put him under. Let him sleep. They gave him sleeping injections three times. He didn't sleep. He was wide awake. Fully awake. I mean, he was still running. Do you know how powerful those things are? Usually when they give you, I think it's called an anesthetic, right? When they give you an anesthetic, they tell you to count back from 10. By the time you get to 1, you should have slept. You shouldn't reach 1, right? The guy was fully awake. Like 45 minutes after three doses, he was still jumping up and down. He was still... 
So the doctors now came and said, was he getting better when we were praying for him? We said he was almost there. He said, please just finish what he's doing. Oh God. A lot of people are too carnal. Too in the flesh. Too in the flesh. And it's dangerous. Listen, I don't hate doctors. Many of you know. If you come and tell me, Pastor, for the past three weeks, my stomach has been paining me, I will ask you, the first question I will ask you is, what did the doctor say? Because some of you are just careless. It's not prayers you need, it's wisdom. Very true. Very careless. You don't eat well. Careless. So I don't hate doctors. I think, in fact, I think the balance, the, the wisdom of it is if you feel anything in your body, you go to the doctor for the sake that they should tell you what it is or what they think it is. And when they've told you, you know, okay, this is where we are starting from. Do you understand? Sometimes somebody will tell me, X, Y, Z, before I even start trying to discern if it's a demon spirit, have you been to a doctor? Let's start from there. And when you tell me we went to a doctor, they tried everything and nothing worked, I say, hey, now we are talking. I know how to deal with this one. But many of us so carnal, you feel a slight pain in your body, I need to do an MRI. I need to, I need to get, I need something for the pain. Have you prayed? No, I'm not proud. I just, I'm talking about pain. You're talking about prayer. Yes, I'm talking about prayer. You're a Christian. Your first impulse should be God. Do you understand? So even when you are going to see the doctor, you're not going to see the doctor as if the doctor is your solution. No. I taught this on faith and I will express it next week. Even when we pray, we are to carry out, I mean, Jesus came to Peter and he says, cast your nets. Right? Peter didn't say, ah, master, I have too much faith in you. I know that if you want fish in this boat, we have fish. Just speak the word, we have fish. Let's go, let's go. No. He still cast his nets. Is that right? Even if he had been repeating the action. But now there was a difference. The difference is, every activity carried out towards achieving the results is now carried out with faith that God can, through that activity, bring about a good result. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the difference. So nobody's saying you shouldn't go to the hospital, for instance. But when you view the hospital as your final solution, how ah, the hospital was, it will embarrass you. It will embarrass you. I'm doing a teaching on healing, so let me share this. It's a personal experience my wife and I had last year. So, um, towards the end of last year, I shared a testimony, um, or I shared a story of how the year had gone for us. Um, around August or October last year, we lost a child. We were pregnant and we lost the pregnancy, so that's what I mean. And so, but then, um, my wife was ill, you know, in that period. And so we went to the hospital, and um, they said, oh, we need to flush the pregnancy. Said, okay, flush it. Then one doctor did one test and came out and said that, ah, you cannot just flush the pregnancy. That uh, 
the kidneys is cancerous. And so my wife will need to start chemotherapy. You know the funny thing? So this happened in the night. I was sitting at the, at the foot of the bed. And then the guy says, so your wife will start chemotherapy. So I said, how long will this chemotherapy last? He said, about a year, two years. Then he now finished talking all this thing. He now said, you don't look, you're not looking happy. I actually legitimately, Amaka was there. I actually looked at him and said, you just told me that my wife may have to start chemotherapy. Should I be smiling with you? So I asked him oh, to his face, should I smile with you? Should I be jumping? If I was smiling, wouldn't you think something's wrong with me? Right? And so I went home that, that day. We called another doctor. We told the doctor, these are the results, the readings of the results. And this is what this other doctor said. And the doctor said, try and do the test somewhere else. We tried. We saw the same readings. We told the doctor. Then the doctor said, well, in medicine, if this is what your result is saying, the meaning is that there's cancer. And so you need to deal with it. If your doctor says start chemotherapy, start. The earlier, the better. I went to my prayer. I said, see, devil, I was careless. He took our child. It's fine. God will give us another one. But the one you will not do is put us in this situation where have to start doing chemo. My wife is going to be consistently ill. We'll have to spend so much money. It was just a, a vortex of problems. So I prayed seriously that night. I remember I called my pastor. He too, he prayed seriously. So we went to the hospital the next day. The hospital they referred us to to begin the chemo. So we went there. And I gave, I gave the test readings to the new doctor, there was a woman now, and she looked at the readings and said, what is, what is it that you said you were coming for? So let me tell you how terrible my wife's condition was at the time. When we drove to the hospital, typically you come down, you enter inside and then tell them, we want to admit this person in the emergency ward. When my wife came down from the car, the orderlies said, the one orderly pointed to another orderly and said, please take this person to the emergency ward. So they took my wife to the emergency ward. And I met with the doctor, and then she said, what, what, did you, what did the other doctor say? And then I said, oh, he said cancer, chemotherapy. And then she just looked at it and said, I can see why, but he's a bit dramatic. Now, the truth is, I googled the situation. Please, guys, do not google your symptoms. Because all the doctors are saying, oh, you need to do chemo. Google is like you have two weeks to leave, guys. <laughs> So when she was saying, uh, the doctor's just been a little bit dramatic, I thought she was just trying to make me feel good. So she said, we'll just go ahead and do the evacuation. Nothing will happen. I said, are you sure, man? She said, yeah, it's fine. The doctor was just being dramatic. I said, okay, oh. I'll not fight you. We prayed. I mean, we did not pray. We prayed. We prayed. And so the next evening, so we, we got to the hospital on a Friday, I think. So we, we were there Friday into Saturday. Saturday, I went to Festac to... The devil is mad. It's very mad. I went to Festac to tell my parents and my mother-in-law what was going on. Finished sharing the news. On my way back from Festac, I had an accident. Sorted that out. Somebody was in the hospital, paid for the... So then I went to be with my wife. So her procedure was to be on Sunday. 
So the procedure came. We did it Sunday. And the truth is, for like two days after, I kept asking the doctor, is my wife okay? Is everything fine? Because the other doctor said, if you do the procedure like this, your wife will bleed out. She will die. So I kept asking the doctor, I forgot her name now. Is my wife okay? Is everything fine? She said, oh, your wife, go and see her. Go inside the ward. Go and look at her. So I realized that if I sat down and took it like a champ, just man up. Some things you shouldn't man up for. And the thing is, some of us, we like the pity that comes with it. So we will now say, that, see what they told me. And then we say, hey, yeah, you are going through a lot. And you, you are saying, hey, yeah, you too. everybody saying, hey, yeah, you are there. That's what many people like. That's all you want. And so you will normalize a verdict from the pit of hell that has no business in your life. I want your faith to rise. And I want you to have sense now. Godly sense. So, quit saying, you see those things you think are reasons why the devil should plague you. They are not. Let me tell you, let me give you the equivalent of it. See, I know that Lagos is full of mad people and if I leave my house open at night, an armed robber will most likely enter my house and steal from my house. But do you realize that leaving my house open is not a legitimate reason for an armed robber to enter my house? Do you know? So those things that you think are reasons why the devil should plague you are not legitimate enough for him to do so. So stop normalizing it. I want you to get angry. Stop. Say, devil, it's enough. Listen, I don't know how to prove this from scripture, but there's something I've found by experience, and I can't teach it as a doctrine, but I've found this by experience. And many other pastors have names for this. One man I listen to calls it the spirit of lack. And it is this thing that happens when everything is going fine. Suddenly, it's like somebody opened the gates of hell and there is a vortex sucking every resource that you have. Be careful. Stop it. You understand? Catch it when it's happening. Catch it. Don't be ignorant of, ignorant of the devil's devices. Don't, don't do that. That's the one thing you shouldn't be. Listen, let people call you superstitious, but I would rather that you are superstitious and sensitive than you are ignorant and naive and suffering for no reason. So you think you are woke. So when somebody says, do you think it might be an attack from you? I say, oh, it's not that deep. It is that deep. It is, it is. You don't get it. The devil, the Bible tells us that, that, that the devil will mask himself as an angel of light. So the devil doesn't appear before you and say, I'm the devil and I'm attacking your life. He makes it look ordinary. Makes you feel like you deserve it. So you too, you will now say, so this is my condition now. You will just help me pray. But you don't mean it. Of us want to make uh, the Lord can make a mess, a message out of your mess. Not this one, not this mess. Not this mess. Do you know that it is a better message that God delivers than uh, the devil plagued me? I'm still going through it, but I'm here, I'm strong, I'm smiling. So you people can smile no matter what you are going through. 
Listen, I'm not trying to downplay motivation. Motivation is good. But don't let it be, don't use your life for unnecessary motivation. Don't let the devil use you for unnecessary motivation. It's not necessary. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want you to have faith and anger. There's a way the, the both of them can work together. Let it work like that in your life. As I'm speaking, if there's anything that's coming to mind, let me just clarify. It is the Spirit of God. Do you hear me? It is the Spirit of God that's telling you, you see this thing now, you've allowed it to continue for too long. So you can be like Paul and for three days you'll be walking around the marketplace preaching and there will be a demon-possessed girl behind you making noise, drawing undue attention, but also be like Paul. One day, stop, turn and cast that devil out. Because here's the thing about the devil. He doesn't usually stop where you let him stop. When you let a snake into your house, you don't tell it where to go. It just moves. If you let rats into your house, you don't tell it where to go. It just goes. And you don't have an agreement with rats. You will now say, okay, see, I know you are hungry. This is the dustbin. Only eat from the dustbin. You will wake up and your meal has finished. So do not let, don't think the devil will. So you now say, okay, it's only, well, I can deal with it. It's only my leg that is paining me. So one day, you wake up, you can't move that leg again. You go to the hospital, they will call it arthritis. From there, they will tell you you have that. That's the way the devil works, let me tell you. Have you noticed that some of these sicknesses come in pairs? It's the way the devil works. You wake up, they tell you your blood pressure is high. You have hypertension. You too, you're not saying, it's true. I think too much. It's true. I have high blood pressure. And then the devil is looking and saying, keep it up, my brother. Keep it up. You have high blood. Say it. Say it. Say it. Don't tell, don't tell people, please pray with me. I have high blood pressure. You've not for once gone to your room to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every edict of the devil over my life. You've not done that. Not once. You've not sat down to pray. You've not sat down to make proclamations. No, you're just there saying, I have high blood pressure. I have high blood pressure. I'm afraid. I don't want to die. Your fear will not stop you from dying. Fear doesn't solve anything. So it's good to be afraid. Be afraid, but do something about it. Did you hear me? Do something about it. Pray. Pray that you may be delivered. Pray. Don't sit down there and say, oh, I have high blood pressure. Then the next thing they will come and tell you is that your sugar level is high. Say, hey, that's added sugar level. Stand up. We have two minutes. Pray in the language of the Holy Ghost. Keep praying, but listen. In this prayer time, those things that the Spirit of God brought to heart, I... I want you to take care of them now. Forget about who is sitting beside you and pray your own. 
devil will say no to you. We say no to you. I say no to you. Learn to count your victories in the place of prayer. Claim your victory in the place of prayer. Rise above this nonsense. Rise above the affliction of the enemy. It may be your life, it may be your family. Make sure you call it out and speak against it. Say in the name of Jesus, I put an end to it. I put an end to it. I put an end to it. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I put an end to it. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I put an end to it. to the cycle of abuse oh Jesus amongst the women in my family I put an end to the cycle of abuse I know that this illness has claimed lives in my family but it will not claim my father's life it will not claim my mother's life it will not claim my brother's life it will not claim my sister's life it will not claim my life I put an end to the cycle of destruction I put an end to the cycle of abuse I decree and declare only the counsel of God will stand You have one more minute, make it count. You have one more minute, make it count. In the name of Jesus, Samana Kotom Belikiaya, Aparapatakapai, Eribalakondalaba. I'm not unfortunate. No, no, no. That is not a description I give myself. No, by the power of the Spirit, I decree and declare only God's counsel is permitted to stand where I am. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and pray. 
I know. I know. I know. I know. I'll give you some more time. cycle of unemployment uh, that's a specific word for someone in your family three people you left school at different times three of you unemployed I break that cycle I refuse for the devil to continue Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Lift up your hands everywhere. Lord will have me do this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stretch my hands towards your people and I decree and declare that in the name of Jesus, the works of the devil come to an end now. Everyone under the sound of my voice who has up until now been oppressed by a devil in six counts, that devil I command you to let go. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Go now in the name of Jesus. I decree freedom everywhere. In the name of Jesus. In your lives, only the counsel of God will stand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. for everyone under the sound of my voice who is believing in God for a healing right now from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet the power of God goes through you in five four three two one be healed in the name of Jesus be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. If you were believing God for a healing, and you can, I want you to check yourself and do something you couldn't do before. Alright. Do something you couldn't do before. And I want, I want to know, you're believing God for a healing and you can. If you can't check yourself now, this is an instruction I'll lead you to obey it. Tomorrow morning, go and check yourself in a hospital. Alright? Alright? But if you checked yourself now and you were healed, can I see your hand? Raise your hand up. 
you checked yourself now and you were healed. All right, praise the Lord. And you were healed. A pain was gone. An illness was gone. Can I see your hand? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. All right, praise the Lord. All just before now, during the teaching, there was a healing. Can I see your hand up? You had a pain. All right, praise the Lord. So what we're going to do is this. I want every one of you to document your testimonies. Write them somewhere. The last Sunday in this month, we're going to, take, we're going to actually make it a testimony Sunday. So we will take testimonies from um, the first Sunday all the way to that Sunday. Make sure you don't miss it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.